0: The title of the message this morning is uh, His Mercy is More. Probably sounds like a very familiar phrase. Uh, we've sung a song many times recently called His Mercy is More. Um, and that, that title just kind of jumped out at me as I was reading through this passage. We're actually going to take uh, two weeks to get through all of chapter 19. Because I see there, there's two main thoughts in this passage that I see as we go through it. And, and the first thought we're going to look at this morning is the mercy of God. And then anybody have an idea what the next one might be for next week? Judgment. Yeah. That's all that's left in the chapter, right? Yeah. Judgment. So, um, no, it won't be a depressing sermon next week, I don't think. But uh, hopefully, actually, it'll be an encouraging sermon Um Next week, as we look at at God's sovereign judgment next week. But this morning, I wanted to really focus on God's mercy that he shows us here in this uh, interaction that he has via the angels with this man by the name of Lot. And, of course, many of you in here, if you've been saved and read your Bible, uh, probably many times you've been saved for a while, you probably know the story of Lot. You've probably heard uh, sermons on the story of Lot. Um, you probably think there's probably not much else that you can learn from the story of Lot because um, it's, a, it's a pretty short story. We've, we've seen Lot a few times so far in the book of Genesis. We've seen him uh, coming traveling with Abraham. We've seen him being taken away when, uh, when the kings came and, and took over all those cities and, and, and took hostages, and Lot was one of the hostages that was taken. And uh, we saw Abraham interceding Physically for Lot at that time, he went to war to to save him, to rescue him, and bring him back. Uh, and then of course uh, they they went down to Egypt. They came or or that was before they came went down to Egypt. But they were they were split up um, between Lot was on the right hand and and Abram was on the left. And and they uh, they were not really together. But of course Abram's be, kind of been keeping his eye on him, right? Abraham knows what's going on in in Lot's life. And of course last week uh, we saw Andy took us through chapter 18, discussing what, uh, what's about to happen. God uh, comes down and, and speaks with Abraham, and he, he reminds him again and, and promises him again that he's going to have a son. But then he says to Abraham, this is what I'm about to do. I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. I'm going to, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I'm going to take them out. And, of course, we have then this intercession that Abraham has with God in regards for Sodom and Gomorrah. But he's not really doing it necessarily for Sodom and Gomorrah, although I'm sure that he doesn't want to see anybody destroyed. He's really caring about Lot. And we see this dialogue back and forth between Abraham and God, and and Abraham keeps whittling down his, his number of righteous people that if there's if there's this many righteous people and it gets down to ten if if there's ten righteous people will you will you spare the city and And God promises, yes, I will and then of course we come to this chapter chapter nineteen and and we see lot uh here, and where is he at he's he's in Sodom, he apparently has a dwelling, a house in Sodom he is Sitting at the gate when the angels come to Sodom, uh, usually the gate was was a place of either um, uh, authority or oftentimes market, uh, which would make sense with, with Lot. He was a trader. He was a uh, not like a not like a turncoat, but I mean like a somebody who traded things. Um, he was he was some he was a, a nomad originally, and so he had lots of wealth. I'm sure he did business there. Um it was also a place oftentimes of where, where judgment was handed out, where people would bring uh, cases before people. so this was a this was a, a pretty busy area. We've got the 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 place where where Lot is sitting, and we don't know what exactly Lot's doing there. We just know that he's there. And here come these two angels. And these two angels come in, of course, um, you see the the terms men and angels interchangeably in this passage, talking about these two. Individuals, because they came in appearance as men, right, we see that back in chapter eighteen uh, when it says that God even showed himself as a man to Abraham, so there were three men there standing before him, so we have these two men, which we know to be angels and and the passage starts off pretty well, don't you think I mean here here come these angels, they walk into the city and uh and, and Lot is there, and he sees them. Now, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that Lot recognized them as being angels, as being spiritual beings. uh, But Lot certainly recognized that they weren't from around there. Lot certainly realized that these guys were visitors. And something about them seemed important enough that he wanted to make sure that they were safe. And we read through the passage earlier, so I won't reread everything, but it's interesting, he says to them, you know, come, come to my place, I'll, I'll feed you, you can spend the night, and, and I'll take care of you, you, you know, wash your feet, it will be comfort, you know, that, he's being hospitable, he's inviting these men to come and stay with him. And their response is, no, we'll, we'll just stay in the town square. And typically what would happen is, um, if there were not enough inns, or if there not enough places for people to go, or if they simply didn't have the funds to stay in one of those places, they would basically be street bumps in <laughs> some you know sort of that's kind of that's kind of how I picture it. They'd they'd get out their bed rolls and they'd you know spend the night out in the in the town square in the streets. And so that's what these men were were planning on doing. They were gonna spend the night there. Um, and and of course we see Lot no 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 you don't want to do that. <laughs> that's that's not a good idea. You know why? Because Lot knew the type of people that he was living with right Lot was aware of the character of the people that he was living with. And so Lot says, no, no, no. And it says that he pressed him, he just kept asking me, no, 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 you don't want to do that? Come come stay with me. Come stay with me. And they're like, okay. And so they come and they and they go with Lot to his house. They have a great meal. It says that he made them a feast, you know. This, these guys, man, Abraham made a feast and Lot made a feast. They, they had a lot of feasts. That's why they fasted so much, just so you know, because they ate a lot of food at a time. But uh, so they, they, he made them this feast and they're, and they're getting ready to, to lay down and go to sleep. And this is where everything begins to fall apart in the story. Because up till now, everything's gone well. Um, lot has been the perfect host, both for the city and, for him, and, and as himself. He's offered this men, these men shelter. He's given them food. He's given them a place to stay that is safe. But in the end, he can't really completely protect them from the type of men that he dwells with. And we see here, Lot about to make um, a very foolish decision. A very foolish decision. The first point that I want to make this morning about God's mercy is that God's mercy is more Is that gone? Uh-oh. There it is. His mercy is more than our immorality. It goes, maybe not. There we go. Hey, it's working. I love it when technology works. His mercy is more than our immorality. I now I chose that word because it's an eye and the other two words are eyes. All right? But, uh, but what am I talking about? His mercy is more than our what? Use an S word. Sin, right? His mercy is more than our sin. Because here in, this, in the beginning of this passage, everything's going so well, and, 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 Abraham, and, and Lot is going to have this lapse in judgment. He's going to make, a, really, quite frankly, an, an immoral offer. He's going to sin, or he's going to offer to sin anyway. You know, it's interesting when we look at the life of Lot. We, you hear a lot of sermons about Lot and and how he, you know, he. Oftentimes, you'll hear our sermon about how he he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and that his, and the idea there that oftentimes you hear preachers preach is that you know he was he was looking to be a part of that crowd, he was looking to be one of those people that's where his that's where his heart was set that's and there and he was he was going that direction and and at this point i want to i want to clarify what scripture says about lot because that's not the picture that scripture gives us yes lot is sitting and living in the city of God, of sodom yes it's a horrible wicked city how many, how many of you know uh, of a good city at this time? Nothing rolling off the top of your head, right? He's living in the land of Canaan. They're all wicked cities, pretty much. Um, but this was obviously one of the worst cities. As we know, God's going to punish it pretty, pretty heavily. But the, it's interesting, when you look back at that passage where Lot chooses to go to the Jordan area, There's only one translation that actually uses the word toward. It's one of the older translations. (laughs) It's the only one. In fact, the newer version of that translation, the KJV, actually uses a different word. It gives the idea more of among the cities of the plain. Lot was not necessarily intending to dwell in the cities. He was not necessarily intending to go after and be a part of the sin. Um, if we say that that's true, then we ignore what we find in the New Testament about Lot. Turn over real quickly to Second Peter chapter two, verses seven through nine. Second Peter chapter two, verses seven through nine. I think I might have the wrong passage here. Oh, I'm in 1 Peter, that's why. Might help if I turn to the right place. 2 Peter 2, verses 7-9. through This is a passage where God is talking about false prophets. He's talking about those who he punishes and those who he preserves. In verse 7 it says, And if he rescued righteous lot, That's an interesting word, is it not? And if he rescued righteous lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. Think about that. Righteous lot, greatly distressed by the conduct of the wicked. Is that not what we actually see in Genesis 19? Is that not the testimony that really is borne out about Lot in Genesis 19? Yes, he's going to to offer an immoral act. Absolutely, he's going to fail. He's going to sin here. He's not perfect. But what do we see? We see him attempting to turn these men away, do we not? We see him telling these men that it's not right. Righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So even though Lot finds himself in Sodom, I think it's it's a very big stretch and quite frankly against really what Scripture says about Lot to say that he has gone down this quote-unquote slippery slope. If you've ever heard a sermon about Lot, it probably talked about the slippery slope of sin. And, and quite frankly, I don't think, if you're honest with Scripture, that you can say that. Because not only does Peter call him a righteous man and says that his soul was tormented by the evil that was around him, but here in this passage, we see that he's trying to keep them from doing those evil deeds. Yes, part of that's just because he wants to be a good host. I mean, obviously, it's not a good, it's not, it's not you know, good marks as a host if the people that you're hosting, get taken, that's, that's pretty bad, you know, you're going to get, you know, a lot of one-star reviews on that one, <laughs> okay, so he, he's obviously part of that's driven by trying to be a good host, but the other part is driven by his desire for righteousness, he is a righteous man, but yet here we find him failing, have you ever made a rash decision that was the wrong decision? Have you ever chosen to do something uh, off the cuff that, in the end, you realize, man, you know, I really, I really messed up there. Maybe it's in a conversation that you're having with a coworker or a family member or or somebody else, a neighbor, and you and you maybe start talking about something you shouldn't talk about, or maybe you. Uh, decide, as a teenager, of course, you would never do these things as an adult, but you, you gave into to peer pressure, right? And you, and you decided to go to that place that you knew your parents didn't want you to go or do that thing that your parents knew you didn't want, they didn't want you to do it or watch that thing that your parents didn't want you to watch. And, and and when you were done, you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. We, we all really can put ourselves in Lot's shoes here. Because here he is with good intentions trying to protect these men, whether he understood them to be angels or not. Here he is with good intentions making an immoral offer. And what does he offer? He offers for to trade his two daughters for these two men. And it's interesting that the context of this passage makes it very clear what these men wanted. They were, they were going to use these men physically. And it's very obvious by the way that, that Lot responds that he understood that. He understood what they wanted to do. And in some, for some warped reason, he thought it was the best choice. Maybe, maybe he was looking at it like the, you know, the lesser of two evils, right? Either let these guys or or let my daughters. And it's hard to understand what, what what in the world's going through Lot's mind when he makes this offer. But we've all done the same thing. It may not be as drastic as Lot. It may not be as as eye-popping and whoa, are you serious <laughs> as Lot? But we've all done the same thing, have we not? We've all tried to choose the lesser of two evils and ended up both of them being sin. Both of them being things that, that God would not desire for us to do. And and Lot makes this offer. Even though he was a righteous man, even though he did not like what they were doing, he makes this offer of his two daughters. And it's interesting uh, I don't know if you, if you realized when we read through it earlier, but when, when Lot makes this offer, it's these two daughters that are there at home, right? But when he goes later on the, to go talk to the people that he's trying to gather to, to rescue, he goes to these two men who are sons-in-laws, right? And what does it say? It says that they are going to marry his daughters. These are his future sons-in-law, probably already betrothed and they're and they're. Uh, tradition back then. So they would have been considered sons-in-laws even though everything hadn't been completely um, culminated yet as far as the, the marriage. But it's interesting when you then take that and put it back into the context of what he's, what he's offering here. Not only is he offering his own daughters up to these men, these wicked men, but he's offering his daughters that have already been betrothed to other men I don't know about you but I, I would not be real happy about hearing that if I were one of these guys of course this is a very sinful city maybe maybe it didn't matter to them I don't know but to, to even go that step further and be like not only am I going to offer my daughters but but I'm going to knowingly offer them knowing that they then are not pure for their husbands they're going to be tainted for the husbands that that I've already promised them to. And here he's trying so hard to protect these men that he's grasping at anything, even immoral offers. And we do the same thing. We grasp at anything. When we come to these troubling times, anything that we think is going to help us get through it. And so many times we choose a sinful word a sinful act. We're simply just not even including God in what's going on. And we act in a way that is immoral. But the beautiful thing is God's mercy is more than our immorality. God's mercy was greater than Lot's ability to sin. Because here he is, he goes out and he's trying to reason with these men and he's trying to keep them from getting in, and 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 they're they're mad. In fact, I think it's interesting what they say about him. Because I, I think again it supports the, the first, the, the second Peter passage in our understanding of the type of person that Lot was. What do they say? This sojourner, he has a house. He's living there. But in their mind, was he one of them? No. This sojourner is living here, and now what? Now he wants to be the judge. Now he wants to tell us what to do. He wants to be the one to say, you guys can, can do this, you can't do this. Stop doing that. Who are you? Guess what? We're going to hurt you even more. We've, we've almost forgotten about those guys. We're going to take you down. Because here you are thinking you're better than us. See, that's really more who Lot is. But he makes a grave judgment error. And he chooses to offer an immoral act. But God's mercy is more. We see the angels um, dragging him in inside the door. And I don't know if this was maybe a gate. It seems like it might have been a gate. I don't know. Um, But whether it was the front door or whether it was a gate, um there's a door there and they brought him back in and and locked it however they could and then they did the miraculous what did they do they blinded them some of the commentaries i read said it was potentially more of a a, a dazed state not necessarily a, like a complete blindness if you remember at the beginning it says all of them were there now we take scripture literally so I don't know how big Sodom was, but that's a lot of people to be gathered around this guy's house. All these men, potentially all the men of the city are there for these immoral acts. And uh, and the, and they're blinded. And it's interesting, it says that they're groping around to try to find the door. Even in their dazed or blinded state, these men would not, they didn't want to be denied. They were still going after it. But, the angels worked in such a way that they could not find the door whether that was complete blindness whether that was just this uh, this day state we don't know it says blind so they were blinded they were they were kept from being able to see what they were looking for and they couldn't find it and it was interesting what does it say it says that they groped Let's see if i can find it here They wore themselves out, groping for the door. Wore themselves out. These guys were not giving up easily. Wore themselves out, groping for the door. You know, it's easy to spend our time sitting here and we can can talk about Lot and his horrible decision, but what I want to focus on here is God's mercy. In spite of Lot's Immorality, in spite of his offer of, of a sinful act, God intervenes and mercifully spares him and his daughters. We know, of course, that God has a greater plan. We've read through the passage. You've probably heard the story multiple times. You know that God has a greater purpose. That's one of the reasons why he stepped in. But his mercy is more than Lot's immorality. It's more than our immorality. And and we have no further to go than Ephesians chapter two to see that for ourselves, do we not? Ephesians chapter two, let's read it very quickly. And you who are dead in what? In the trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in what? Mercy. But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. His mercy is more than our immorality. God didn't sit there through the angels as soon as Lot offered up his daughters and be like, nope, not, not rescuing you now. He had one shot to do what was right and that, that's it. Now his mercy was more than even Lot's immorality. And the same is true for us. God's mercy is so much greater than any sin we could ever commit. His mercy is more than our immorality. Not only that, but God's mercy is more than our ineffectiveness. His mercy is more than our ineffectiveness. What do I mean by that? We see Lot, who who is obviously looked at as an outsider, yet has no impact on those who he's around. 2 Peter tells us us that that he's righteous, that he's, he's vexing his righteous soul, tormenting his righteous soul in living with them because of their wicked deeds. But yet, we don't see any impact of his faith in the lives of others around him. These men look at him and they mock him as an outsider, somebody trying to tell them, who do you think you are to tell us what we should do? He had no reputation. He was ineffective when it came to his reputation with the world. And then, of course, we get an even deeper view of that when we, when we look at his sons-in-laws, do we not? They say, we're going, we're going to destroy the city. Anybody that you have, go get them. Bring them out. They can come with you. The offer is available for anyone. Anyone who, anybody that you can convince to come, will save them. And he goes out to try to rescue these young men. And what do they what do? They do? They laugh at him. They laugh at him. They think he's joking. And I can just picture this, this idea where, where, where Lot is, is probably running through the streets, going to these men's houses and beating on the door. And they open the door and he says, look, the city's going to be destroyed. God is going to destroy the city. You need to come with me to be saved. what What are you talking about crazy man it kind of reminds me sorry i have a movie brain you know it kind of kind of makes me think of beauty and the beast when bell's dad goes in and he's like trying to get people to help go back and and save his daughter and they're all just like yeah crazy maurice you know they're just laughing at him they think he's they think he's you know gone nuts that's kind of what I picture here as, as I see Lot going to these future sons-in-laws and trying to convince them, come out, God is going to judge this place. And it makes you wonder, is that the first time they've heard him even talk about God? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But they certainly aren't very impressed by his motivational speaking. They certainly aren't, very, aren't impressed enough by the seriousness that he portrays to understand that this is really going to happen. He was ineffective. Even though he was a righteous man, at least as far as we know, within the four walls of his house, there doesn't seem to be any reach outside. There doesn't seem to be any impact made outside. One of the things that I typically think of a lot when I um, get asked to find a new place of employment. Um, is thinking back on you know the last year or two or however long I've been at the at the current job. And one of the things that I always think about is, did I did I have an impact on the people that I worked with? Did they know me as just a nice guy? Hopefully they didn't know me as a jerk. <laughs> then I really didn't. But did they, did they know me as just a nice guy, a fun guy, somebody that we have, we have a good time with, a good worker? Or did they know me as a godly man? Do they know me as a follower of Christ? Did I leave an impact on their life, not just as a nice person, but as a witness for Christ? Is that, is that my testimony? And there have been times when the answer is yes. And I can point back to certain things. And there have been times when the answer is, man, really, not really. And God has put us in all of our positions, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our job, whether it's in our neighborhood, all these opportunities that we have to be salt and light, to have an impact on the world around us. And so often we fail, do we not? We fail. It's interesting, God is still merciful to Lot, even in his ineffectiveness. God could have waited for Lot to come back and been like, they won't listen to me. They won't listen, they won't come. And and God, God could have said, well, here's the deal, Lot. I told Abraham 10. So, you know, good luck, man. Because there's not 10. But that's not God's response. He's still merciful in rescuing Lot from destruction. He's still merciful in spite of his ineffectiveness to reach the world around him. And as... As sad as it is that we may look at our own lives and see much the same disparity, we may see the same problem in our life, the lack of testimony. Hopefully this morning we walk away from this with a renewed vigor for that to change. Hopefully this morning we walk away from this with an understanding that yes, God is merciful in spite of our ineffectiveness, but why should we remain ineffective? Hopefully, this reminder spurs you on to be that effective tool. But we do have a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that supports this from a from a New Testament standpoint. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talking about divisions in the church and building upon the foundation of Christ. We read in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. And of course, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, if our name is written in the land's book of life, we are free and safe from the destruction. But will there be a reward? Will we have made an impact on this world for Christ and his kingdom? If so, there will be a reward. But if not, the way that he describes it here is that you will be saved just barely. Not only just no reward, but it's like you're getting in by the skin of your teeth, buddy. Of course, not because of anything that we've done. Only because of what Christ has done. Only because of that foundation that was laid, which is Jesus Christ. How sad for us if we get to the end of our life and this is the mercy that we have to cling to. But praise the Lord that it's there. Praise the Lord that despite our ineffectiveness, He's still merciful. He doesn't give up on us. He did the same with Lot. Lastly, God's mercy is more than our immorality, it's more than our ineffectiveness. His mercy is more than our insubordination. Did you guys catch that? More than our insubordination. What happens here? We have Lot as morning dawns in verse 15. It says, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And what's the next three words? But he lingered. But he lingered. What was going through his mind? You know, he knows everything's going to be destroyed. Everything that he owns. Everyone that he knows. Everything that he loves, everyone that he loves, other than those few who leave with him, destroyed, gone. And he hesitates, he he lingers. So what did God do? Fine, <laughs> we'll just get you out ourselves, right? He's lingering there, he's waiting. So the men seized him and his wife and his daughter, two daughters by the hand. The Lord being, what? Merciful to him. The Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And not only that, but later they say, go, escape, go to the hills. And, and, and Lot says, mm. hold on a second. Um, so the hills. Not a big fan of the hills. Um, could we just maybe go over to this other little city you know, it's just, it's a little city, you know. It's almost like he's saying, God, it's, it's no big deal. It's just a little piece. It's a little piece of what you were going to destroy. Can you just kind of keep that one back? That's basically what he's saying there. Because this city is in the same plains as all the other cities that God is going to destroy. I don't, I don't want to quite do exactly what you want me to do. First, I don't really want to go at all. And you drag me out and stick me outside the gate. And now you tell me to go to the hills. Eh, really don't want to be in the hills. It's interesting. Where does he end up? In the hills, <laughs> if you've read the end of the chapter. Doesn't really want to be there. I want to go to the city. Can I go to the city, please, Dad, please? You know, ever had that little bit of insubordination from your kids? Let's not do it that way. I've got a better idea. And Lot's trying to, trying to work out the way that he wants to work it out. Get kind of everything that he desires without giving up too much. And God lets him have it. He says, okay, you can go to this city. But what does he say? It's interesting. What does he say? He says, you have to go because I can't destroy the city till you're gone. Isn't that interesting? You have to go because I can't destroy the city until you're gone in spite of his immorality, in spite of his ineffectiveness, in spite of his his insubordination, God was bent on being merciful to Lot. And is he not the same for us? How often do we, just like Lot, resist God's plan and God's purpose for our life, his calling for our life? How often do we resist Talking to the person that he tells us that he pricks our heart and says, "I want you to witness to them." How often do we resist that? How often do we resist giving to something or someone that he calls us to give to? Say, "Well, yeah, but I I I gave to this other thing. Isn't that enough? You know, I went I went on this uh, missions trip. Isn't that enough? Yet God calls us." To live for him, and so often we ourselves are insubordinate. And yet he is merciful to us. Eric mentioned it earlier. First John 1 9. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we've gone, 1 John 1 9 is still true. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only that, but he desires for us to call on him for mercy. Did you know that? He desires for us to call on him for mercy. Turn over real quickly to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and then we'll be done. Verses 14 through 16 talking about Jesus as the great high priest and everything that he does for us. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with what? Confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive what? Mercy. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our God is a merciful God. Yes, next week we're going to look at our our God as a sovereign judge. And we're going to look at the devastation that he brings down on these cities. But he's also a merciful God. It's interesting, the rest of that Second Peter chapter talking about Lot is emphasizing the, poise, the point that God is able to save the righteous and punish the unrighteous. He has the ability to do so. His mercy is more than our, than our immorality. His mercy is more than our ineffectiveness. His mercy is more than our insubordination. I, I think of Christ's story of the prodigal son the son who had taken everything that was owed to him, squandered it, lived a riotous life, and then came back willing to be a servant, and yet the father in mercy and love reaches out and embraces him and welcomes him back as a son. And that's exactly what our father does. In spite of everything that we do to fail, his mercy is more. Father, we thank you that your mercy is not reliant upon our faithfulness. It's not reliant upon our faith. You are merciful because you are a merciful God. And you choose to have mercy upon us in in ways that often we don't even recognize. Lord, I pray this morning as we've looked at the story of Lot that you would Open our eyes to the many ways that you are merciful to us. Yes, in salvation, Lord, that's the biggest that we that we look at. But even in our day-to-day lives, so many ways that we are sinful, so many ways that we are ineffective, so many ways that that we push back against your will. And yet you lovingly correct. You, you lovingly show mercy over and over and over again in our lives. Help us to be cognizant of us help us to be thankful for it and i pray that you would be glorified as we recognize it more and more in the days ahead we pray that you would be that you would be with us in our time this morning as we as we seek to share what you've done in our hearts i pray that it would be a blessing to all who participate i pray that you would open our hearts and minds to how you would have us to change and become more like Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen.